We are now recording. And so, Melissa, whenever you want to take us away. Hi, and welcome to On and Off, our podcast covering the on-premise and off-premise beverage alcohol industry. I'm Melissa Dowling, editor of Cheers. And I'm Kyle Swartz, editor of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. Today, we're going to be talking about responsible alcohol consumption and what retailers and restaurants can be doing on this front. Our guest today is Steve Schmidt, the Vice President for Public Policy and Communications for the National Alcoholic Beverage Control Association, or NAPCA. Yes, welcome, Steve. Thank you. It's great to have you. Um, I I guess like everything else this year, we kind of have to start off with the pandemic and and what it's it's meant for the business. so with all the changes and challenges for the beverage alcohol industry, you know, like the increase in delivery and cocktails to go and so on, what are some of the new issues that retailers and restaurants have to consider now? Well, I think the, um, the most obvious one is those restrictions that were placed on any location where there's gathering uh, or where people were going to come in contact with each other. Uh, beyond the challenge of understanding how the new orders were going to change when and where they could sell a product, there was also a a need to shift to be focusing on other things that uh, might impact the customer experience, Uh, social distancing, uh, masking, uh, and monitoring that, uh, and following whatever restrictions uh, state and local government may put into place uh, to ensure the, the, the safety of the public. That probably was going to be first and foremost, um, that, that public safety component and what, what, what needed to be done. But certainly then um, understanding how it changed um, everything from the um, employees that they had in their premise or in and around their premise, what was going to be required of them. Uh, what was going to be required of how product was going to be able to be served, um, you know, certainly uh, safely. Um, And then I I think beyond that, um, for those that were not going to be able to operate um, anywhere near normal, uh, where they were not allowed to have people inside a premise, uh, you know, how were they going to survive? Uh, Did it mean closing down for a period of time? Did it mean uh, uh, looking for other ways to get their product uh, into the consumer's um, hands? Uh, There was so many things that retailers and and off-premise operators were going to need to uh, change or or think through how they were going to adapt. Um, As I said many times, and even today, I think people are still drinking from a fire hose trying to figure out how they were going to operate within uh, what was at least a normal for that period of time, albeit hopefully temporarily. Absolutely. And, you know, as we uh, mercifully and hopefully reach the end uh, stages of the pandemic here, I'm just curious, how do you see some of those regulations and safety procedures starting to, I don't know, unwind perhaps or start lessening? I'm just uh, curious what your take is on the immediate future now. Well, I think, first of all, the challenge is that every jurisdiction, every state is going to be different. 
And uh, uh, so what we're, and this of course is especially a challenge for those large retailers uh, are, you know, do they, um, you know, what works in Texas may not work in New Hampshire. Um, and I, I think the point there is that they are going to be very, need to be very tuned in to what their state requires. And in some cases, even locally. I mean, we know that there have been local uh, provisions put in place that uh, licensees will need to follow. Uh, so the first thing is being very knowledgeable of what their state's going to allow. Um, that's first and foremost, because listening to what's going on in the state beside you doesn't do you really any good if you're, if you're not doing what you need to do in your own jurisdiction. Um, secondly, I, I think that it is important to note that uh, most of the changes are not going to be flipping a light switch on and off, that it is going to be, um, you know, progressive uh, change back to a normalcy. Uh, so understanding that and what that looks like as far as, um, you know, bringing employees back on, training them, especially for new employees. I mean, that's something we have heard that many of, um, many of the retailers are faced with uh, changing uh, work, you know, workforce, uh, new um, or certainly those that have been out of the workforce for a while. Uh, how do you train them to be sure that they're following the compliance of that local jurisdiction. So I, I'd say that the two key things are number one, knowing what your state's going to allow and where they're at and being very tuned into what that is. And secondly, um, understanding that, um, you know, staying focused on your employees, uh, what they need in order to be able to do, do their jobs adequately are critical. And then of course, the third component is um, understanding that consumers may not understand what that state's provisions are and what and how they're winding it out. Uh, so these again are, I think they're still drinking from a water hose is what I tell you. Uh, I, it's changing rapidly. Absolutely. Speaking of changing rapidly, you know, one thing that evolved uh, considerably during uh, COVID was the rise of digital delivery you know, led by businesses like Drizzly, which reportedly grew 300% in the past year, as more consumers learned that they could order alcohol online and have it shipped to their door. Certainly that is only going to increase, it seems like, you may not agree, or maybe you do. Uh, just wondering um, what your thoughts were with the safety uh, of that part of the industry, especially, uh, you know, the big concern seems to be delivering alcohol to somebody who's either A, underage, or B, intoxicated. How do we train people or uh, keep stuff like that from happening? Train people to keep that from happening. Well, first of all, let me address the uh, change uh, because you're absolutely right. In fact, I heard uh, uh, an industry uh, observer say that what we have experienced in the past year is 20 years of growth, 20 years of activity changing the systems, especially in the e-commerce area. Uh, so we have had rapid, rapid change uh, in a system that doesn't generate, we don't typically see that kind of uh, rapid change in regulation um, and in the change of a marketplace. So that clearly has put a tremendous amount of pressure on all those trying to figure out how they do this in a way that balances consumer uh, demands with consumer and public safety. And it's on that side that I think the real challenge is, is beginning to express itself in that, 
you know, law enforcement, while all these things change, nobody really thought about um, what, what resources are law enforcement, uh, what resources are they going to need to be in training, what resources are they going to need to be in order to ensure that the public is safe. There was this mindset that let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. This is what consumers want. This is the only way we're going to get the product into the market um, without Unfortunately, I don't think there was a lot of thought given to what pressures were going to be put on law enforcement and others to assure safety. Um, there was some pretty good training out there and there were those that shifted and pivoted. But uh, even for those that make their living in this area of training and trying to assure that, certainly they were having to meet a significant demand. So uh, I, I would say that we are still in a stage of catching up uh, with what that means. Um, you know, I, I've seen some really good materials out there on uh, how do you check ID when somebody's wearing a mask. Um, I've seen some good materials and training out there on how you help people that are delivering the product who, by the way, never had to think about this. Before. Yeah, they never had to think about an age restricted product. So the, the, that population is the one that I think um, we need to spend some time thinking through how we assure that they um, are prepared for when they're faced with uh, consumers that look young or consumers that are visibly intoxicated. Because again, that's a, um, that's, that's a, that's a, a responsibility of those that provide product to make sure that uh, it's not just a matter of underage, but those that may have uh, already consumed too much. Absolutely. I was hosting a panel recently for Drizzly and a retailer on it. I asked him this very question. He made a, a really good point that I, I'm sure you're going to agree with. He has his delivery people ID, check the ID of anyone who looks under 40. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and again, um, I think, you know, what's interesting is uh, just think about that issue of checking ID. Um, again, there are a lot of those deliverers that while they were trained in that previously, the sheer volume that they now had to deal with and the pressure of that volume uh, is something that normal brick and mortar retailers are used to. But, you know, the question is, you know, what, what is the compliance with those that are delivering the product that are not typically involved in the, that number of deliveries? So I think there's a lot of factors that we, I, I, think, I think it's doable. I, yeah. I think it's clearly possible to do it in a way that you can assure compliance, but it's going to take some resources. I just um, wrote something on a test that the state of Utah is doing with mobile driver's licenses. I'm not sure how many other states are doing this, but um, do you see that being helpful or, uh, or not? <laughs> well, it's, a, it, it, it's a great question. And I'd say it's a great question because this is an emerging, uh, this is an emerging technology and area that, we are just getting up to speed with, I've been having conversations now for about six months to 12 months with a group um, that involves the, the, those that have developed the technology, the manufacturers, those that are the users. Um, and there's not been a great deal of attention to this, primarily because um, while mobile driver's licenses um, the idea has been out there for a while. The actual implementation of the technology is not very widespread. 
Um, and most of the concern early on was around just making sure that it was secure. How do you, how do you use the technology? Now they're beginning to look closer at the users of the technology. Um, and there is no question that retailers uh, in age-restricted product areas, law enforcement, are, are going to be key users um, and need to think through how they're going to use this technology. Um, so we're excited at NABCA because we've been probably one of the, the, the earliest um, uh, groups that have been on top of what this is going to mean for regulators and for retailers. Uh, we, we'll be having conversations in the next several months uh, with our states, um, making sure they know this is coming. Uh, we know there are two of our states that are actively um, going to have active programs um, Utah and Iowa, uh, but there are but there are more, and it, it and it's like anything else. Once people get comfortable with the technology, we realize it's safe and secure. Um, you know, the it, it will begin to increase. So we plan to really stay on top of this issue, uh, provide um, you know experts and users and bringing it together. But we actually believe that it is um, the way I understand the technology. It can be maybe even more secure uh, than some of the, um, you know, the, the, the hard copy or hard licenses, but, but it still requires a lot of vigilance in making sure that the right people have the IDs. And, you know, I, I don't care what the technology looks like. At the end of the day, this comes down to uh, whether it's your security staff or managers or personnel who have to look at that ID, then look at you in the eye and make sure that the same person uh, that is on that ID is the same person standing in front of them. Um, and there will be techniques and, you know, again, I have a lot of confidence in, in, uh, in this industry and in those that are involved in the training and in regulators and enforcement to figure out what those best practices will look like. So we were talking before about, you know, how to tell if a customer is, is already intoxicated and with the increase in legalized marijuana for recreational use that's a whole new wrinkle especially in the on-premise where you can't really tell and someone comes up and they're ordering drinks i mean that, that's a real concern so what how do operators um deal with that yeah th and this is one that really is um again <laughs> Again, uh, and, and probably by the end of this uh, podcast, everybody should really should feel for retailers and others involved in regulating this industry because there are so many things that are changing. I, I think the, the thing, the reason that issue is of most concern is because um, the science um, that is emerging uh, talks about the fact that when you combine alcohol with cannabis, it's not a one plus one equals two. It's a one plus one may equal three. My point being is that it's in, the, in, in, in experts terms, super additive uh, to the impact on someone's, um, you know, um, someone's ability to, um, to do simple things, that, but it's also significant impact on things like driving. And we should be very concerned about this. And because that when you combine the two, we don't know enough. And that's gonna be a real challenge for retailers who are used to, okay, somebody walks into their place, they're gonna know pretty quickly whether or not they're 
that were consuming alcohol before. You'll smell it. There are certain things you'll see in their demeanor, um, uh, certain things that you expect to see as cues, behavioral cues. That may not be the case with cannabis. Um, and by the way, it may not be the case with a lot of drugs. Um, right. But, um, uh, you know, I do think cannabis is becoming more prevalent. Uh, so you would think retailers are going to see more of it. Um, by the way, uh, you're going to see products uh, begin to get into the marketplace where it's cannabis infused drinks. You know, what, what, what does that look like for a retailer? Um, you know, not where alcohol and cannabis is combined because we know that's not legal today in an alcoholic product, but where you have a cannabis product that is very similar to an alcohol product. Well, now you're going to start to raise, okay, so that now has uh, implications not only for on-premise, but potentially for off-premise. So again, a lot of questions, um, a lot that you would hope that regulators and legislators will have time to work through and think through. But again, this is occurring pretty rapidly in the United States. And I, I think we, we, we need to be very tuned in again to the public health and safety component of this and what it means to individuals' behavior. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of on-premise, you know, obviously, sadly, that segment of the industry has been so devastated by COVID. We haven't heard about too many uh, drink responsibility programs on-premise. I was wondering, do you, do you have any idea when we might get closer to some semblance of normal um, that uh, interest and tension will return to alcohol awareness on-premise again as the bars and restaurants reopen? Well, again, I, I think that um, it is part of the normal reopening, normal re uh, uh, operations. Uh, but my experience in looking across, again, across the United States, um, retailers haven't lost focus on that. Uh, it looks different. Um, okay, what does that mean when I'm providing curbside? Maybe th th it's more difficult to be vigilant, more difficult to send the right message than when you're the person sitting right in front of you and you know what you know if you've served them five drinks or not well you don't know that about curbside and you don't know that about how your product's being delivered so there are some real additional challenges to that which aren't just the retailer's responsibility it's also going to be the responsibility of those that you know are delivering or those that are involved in the process um, but I want to make another comment about this is that, that when it comes to public health and safety and the responsibility for licensees and the responsibility for this product, it doesn't rely just on retailers, but it also involves, um, you know, as I mentioned, maybe somebody else involved in the sales process deliverers, but it also involves law enforcement, involves uh, how the community, what messages the community sends. It's up to making sure that we do everything possible in the environment to assure uh, responsible behavior, responsible use, um, and you know, where necessary uh, to be, you know, to, to, to send very clear messages about what's acceptable and not acceptable. Um, it's just not a retailer's responsibility. They're part of the solution, but um, there are many others that need to be involved. Yeah, as Kyle was saying, you know, with the on-premise, I was trying to write about, you know, responsible programs as far as designated drivers and things like that. And there weren't a lot of new examples just because of what happened this past year. 
Um, have you seen anything interesting that, um, you know, chain restaurants are doing or has NABCA, you know, uh, launched any new programs on this? Well, again, I, I, I would tell you this is an area where um, we know that suppliers and wholesalers and retailers um, always have part, as part of their uh, concern, but most of the focus has been on things are changing so rapidly. How do we regulate? How do we assure our employees are complying uh, with all, all these new rules and new circumstances? Um, I think that's where most of the, the tension and challenge has been. Um, I, I have no doubt that they all will be rolling out um, uh, efforts to help employees on premise and off premise uh, to follow the rules and the regulations and maybe sometimes in a new way, but also the old way. Um, but I, I think really the last year and as we come out of this pandemic, um, I think a lot of the attention on attention has been on how do we do this in the right way? And that has been the biggest challenge. And by the way, um, you know, I want to add something that we need to be careful that not to take the experience of the past, you know, year and to suggest that that experience is what, um, you know, is what the normal looks like. Because what we know is people generally have not been going out to uh, on-premise locations. They've not been operating normally. Uh, so we need to be better than that. We need to understand that um, what the experience has been for the last year is not the experience it will be in a year or two or three years, we sincerely hope. Um, so we really need to think through how do we deal with you know, the, you know, the, the hopefully increased numbers of people that show up on premise, the increased numbers of people that probably will continue to get delivery? Uh, we have to stay focused on what that normal may look like. It's not what it looked like this past year. And that is the one thing that I often will um, add a caveat to when people are asking me about, okay, um, so how do we do all this stuff? I mean, it looks like it's been working great the past year. Well, this past year has been very different. I wouldn't use the past year as my yardstick. I think I would use what we think this will look like going future. And then some of that will certainly be a challenge to do. Right, you can't use the past year and it's probably the next year. It's, it's gonna yeah. take a little while before we figure out what is Absolutely. new normal-ish. Okay. Well, this has been great, Steve. Thank you so much for your input. And um, I have to say, after listening to this, I really feel for anybody in beverage alcohol right now, um, especially the on-premise, because um, that's where my focus is. But it's, it's complicated, to say the least. Yeah, that, 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 maybe that should be the title of uh, any of the presentations <laughs> we do going forward. Um, no like a great movie no, title. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. It certainly is complicated right now. So everybody stay safe out there. Uh, continue to learn, continue to train. And we, you know, we're going to get through this and get to a day where we look back on all this. But in the meantime, thank you again to everybody listening to On and Off. And please do join us next time. We'll be talking about trends in the vodka category. And until then, cheers. Cheers.
I know. All right. Thank you so much, Steve. I'm going to hit end.